Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. And now, here are your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. All right. Okay. We're rolling. Rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. We, we kind of start our show off very unprofessionally. Yeah, we're, so. <laughs> we're, not, we're not really professional. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> There's no money in this, don't worry. <laughs> well, uh, hello everyone. Welcome to what was it, episode 139. 139. Of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. What? And uh, we we are we're excited because we have a very cool opportunity. Yay. We've been international before, but never like no, this. Never this international. This is this is pretty cool for us. <laughs> this is a big this is a big deal. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we um, got a, a a note from Resound Worship. I think it was Matt who sent who initially contacted us um, about a Christmas album that Resound is it recent now I should let's get it right off the bat Resound or Resound 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 yeah with like a Z okay yeah um about a Christmas album that Resound Worship has just uh just put out just finished up and so we we kind of jumped into action said hey what what do you guys think about coming on the podcast so we uh finally worked it out worked our schedules out our timelines out and yep. And and the challenge there is the fact that we got a uh, uh, we got Joel here with us who is in the UK, Britain, right? You're you're yeah, in, in in the in the great state or country or city. I I don't know what you are. Are you? Are, I'm is in Britain a, a country? I'm, I'm in a town. I'm in a town called Loughborough. It's impossible for Americans to spell. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I I have no idea how yeah. to spell that. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So part of the so, challenge, we got Joel here, uh, but it's nine thirty right now in the evening. Yeah. And it's one thirty in the afternoon here yeah. for us. So eight hour difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, but we we heard about it. the uh, The idea of the album really resonates with what we're talking about all the time as a worship ministry podcast. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, fit really well with what what we want to spread on to you, our listeners, and so. So here we are. So we're gonna we're gonna get right into things instead of doing our usual football talk like we usually do, or yeah, our American football, American talk. football, uh, not yeah, not soccer. Not sorry, soccer. but I'm uh, not a huge soccer fan. Are you a soccer fan, Joe? Uh, yeah, I am. Norwich City, on my team. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah we're we're pretty into uh, American football. Yeah, uh, uh, I I like the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Oregon Ducks. You know, yeah. but yeah. Well, now let me ask. Now in Britain, yeah. like, do you guys get into American football at all, or uh, is it is it just kind of like those weird Yankees over across the river? You know what's up with them? There is some, and some people are into it. Not many. It's not very well known. <laughs> we have um, there. We sort of have a a couple of teams come over and play at Wembley Stadium, which is our national soccer stadium, each year um, to try and try and get everyone into it. And actually, I think there's been some talk about trying to get a franchise to have a team based in London. 
um, in yeah, a few and years. I've, I've heard of that too because uh, you know the the NFL, the National Football League in America, they're they're always trying to expand. But yeah. um, so far, it's been pretty predominantly an American sport, and it doesn't seem to necess- it doesn't seem to take off uh, in other countries like it has in America. Yeah. So you yeah. have and- you have you have your football. We have cricket. Oh. <laughs> We don't do cricket. I don't even know how to play cricket. Is that the thing with the big bat, right? Yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like vertical baseball. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I know nothing about cricket. We'll take, we'll take your word for it. I, yeah. I don't know how to play it. I don't know what the rules are. I know nothing. Um, and I'm sorry. I I I feel really ignorant. Of- Actually, I've been to Great Britain. Yeah. I was there for a two week choir tour oh. back in uh, 2000. So I'm not entirely unfamiliar. But I don't know where you live, so. Actually, if you take a, if you took a picture of, uh, it's kind of a map of um, England, and you put a, your a pin right in the centre of it, that mm-hmm. would be where we live. That's where okay. I am. Oh, yeah. So, Joel, if you don't mind, would yeah. you would you uh, introduce yourself and uh, and resound worship to our audience? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm Joel Payne. I, I part of my what I do for a living is I run resound worship um and we are a collection of songwriters uh we've had a a few in and out but there's about 10 of us actually no it's not true no 10 12 13 now um (laughs) and we write um trying to write songs for the church um and i suppose our particular our particular flavor i mean a particular characteristics about it, us are one is there are no celebrity worship leaders amongst us at all <laughs> nobody's heard of us <laughs> but individually in a sense yeah um so we don't really come from that kind of background we have been most of us at some point have been worship pastors in the church um and the way that we write is we we have a really collaborative process so we, it's all about critiquing one another and trying to bring the absolute best out of the songs and that that tends to mean we end up with some quite focused content driven um, material and it tends to mean as well we work really hard on trying to come up with music which is accessible to the ordinary church musician and i think um i don't know what it's like in the states but in the uk the ordinary church musician is 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 quite ordinary um, yeah, and there's a kind of a there are limits to what you can what you can manage. But a lot of the guys that we we see a lot of and hear a lot of are, are outstanding musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we kind of try to write content songs that say something that can be sung by ordinary people, and that means we've we sort of formed we've formed a bit of a niche market, yeah. I suppose, because people often come to us looking for thematic songs rather than we're not we're not so good on the generic praise song although we, every now and again we try and we try and have a hit <laughs> yeah so um yeah that that really resonates with what you're talking about and just even in talking about um songs that that the average church can do yeah that, that takes us back way back in the day to uh when we went through paul Balash's book oh, god yeah. songs Mm-hmm. And, and he talks about when you're writing songs, they need to be playable by by the average worship band, worship musician. Yeah. And, and, you know, Joel, I think what you're saying, like David said, really resonates with what we talk about here on the podcast. And we've spent any number of episodes talking different ways how um, how our our music, you know, as as worship leaders and what we're sharing with the church, our, our music needs to be um, uh, relatable, singable, identifiable, something that uh, our church can gather behind. Mm. And part of that is just making it uh, 
accessible. It's yeah. making it where you can sing it, where you can play it. Yeah. And um, one of the struggles that I run into in my church, you know, we, we have just an ordinary church. We're, we're not big. Uh, you know, uh, we're not small. We're just, we're just a church. You know, we're a church of people who love God. And one of the things I run into at our church um, is, you know, great songs that come out um, that just are ridiculously high or, you know, impossible to to play or sing. Yeah. And, you know, the average guitar player isn't going to be able to keep up or, or uh, do it the same way, mm-hmm. you know, and... Even, and, even the intricacies of knowing the effects on the guitar sound or the, the specific yeah. synth patches and how... How complex all that can be. Right, yeah, because everyone's using, you know, their Nord Stage 2, right. you know, everyone's layering their sounds, and I'm like, you know, I, I still have that same Yamaha keyboard from back when <laughs> you were S80, yeah. <laughs> I got a Yamaha S80 that I'm still, hey, I'm still using. <laughs> yeah. It's classic, yeah, it doesn't go out of style. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I love what you're saying. Um, I love what you guys are doing. Now tell me a little bit more, Joel. You mentioned how you guys are a collaborative effort. So yeah. there's 13 of you guys. How do you write songs? Do you all come together to write music or yeah. do you individually write songs? Or Yeah, it's interesting. So we, we are very collaborative, but I don't think we've ever co-written a song. So I'll try and explain <laughs> that. Because I think what happens when... So I've never really done a co-write, but I think what often happens with that is a couple of people turn up and spend a day together and bring a few ideas and work on something and come out with a song at the end of it. Mm-hmm. That sounds brilliant. I must try it sometime. But what will tend to happen with us is that, for example, I will be writing a song. So, it, you know, it always starts in our local context, whatever it might be. I'll be working on something and I will take it to the group. We either do that face to face. We meet about four or five times a year just for a day um, or we do it online. We have a, a, you know, a web forum that we use and I will, I'll be working on the song. I'll take it to the group and I'll say, what do you think? And I'll get feedback from everyone. And that feedback can range from Joel, I love it, to Joel, I hate it, through to um, I changed that line or what about that melody or have you thought about reshaping it? And uh, we have brilliant stuff like that because people, quite often you're writing something and someone else looks at it and they say, actually, I think kind of being able to stand back a bit, I can see what this song is really about is this. And yet you've wandered off in all sorts of directions. How about really focusing it in and, and so on? So that, and then I will take it away I work on it a bit and then I'll take it back to them and we'll bounce it around some more. Um, so I think songs often take, it's probably a good year for most songs from, from start to finish when we do that. So that, And that's the same with wow. the other guys. And I find as well, um, it, it's really interesting because when you write a song, you have a, a songwriting voice. So the way that you express yourself linguistically and the way that you express yourself musically, you've got quite, a, you, you, you both will have, I'm sure as well, a kind of characteristic voice. Mm-hmm. And if someone yes. else tries to come in and write a line for your song, it's as if suddenly it's, it's a bit like you were speaking and then suddenly my voice comes in with my English accent and it just doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's different. You would need right. to take that same idea, but just re-express it within your kind of local, you know, with your, your kind of vernacular, your kind of idiom. So that's, so that's often what happens is you get all the feedback and then you take it away and you work on it and you work on it. I think we just think, um, if you you know when, you, when you're choosing songs for a service um, uh, or a meeting um, and you've got a song and it's a great song but it's just got a couple of lines in it and you think, oh, I just wish, why does it have to say that? Or I wish that <laughs> verse wasn't there, whatever it might be. Right. If you're writing your own song, you never have to stop there and having a bunch of people who will tell you 
what that is is just you know you think okay i don't have to leave it i can Mm -hmm. i can keep working on this until it's right it's probably a little more intense songwriting process than than most songwriters yeah Well, and, and I think back to the, um, uh, the Paul Balash book that we read, uh, God Songs, and we, we spent, I don't know, 10 or 11 episodes going through that book, just kind of chapter by chapter. And there's a couple chapters in that book where Paul Balash talks about the importance of, of crafting your song. He, he uses the idea of putting it in a greenhouse. You know, you, you write your song, you set it in the greenhouse, you let it, you know, and then you come back to it a little while later, you let it grow. Uh, you know, you, you, um, and I love what you're saying, Joel, about uh, testing it out with with your you know collaborative um, uh, you know counterparts uh, for for you to actually test this thing out and say what do you think, mm-hmm. and and that's that's the feedback piece that I think is missing so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah, and yeah. I, I'm guilty of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, I write a song, I'm like, that's good. I'm <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, and you don't want to mess with it anymore because you're tired. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're tired of it. <laughs> But what I uh, what I appreciate about what you're sharing with us is the the care with which you go about writing every song that you're going to put yeah. in front of a congregation, you know, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe trying to write a hit like you were talking about, yeah. trying to write something that's going to hit number one on the chart. You're, you're trying to approach it with care. How is this going to how is this going to hit the congregation? How are they going to be able to sing it? How are the how's the is the instrumentalist going to be able to feel successful at playing it? You know, is it going to be a win for everybody? I think those are really good questions. Mm-hmm. It's a really good approach. Now, another question for you, Joel. Yeah. Um, so you have, you have your, your team. Uh, you kind of bounce ideas back and forth. Do you all live locally uh, there in Great Britain, or are you, are you all over the map? Uh, we are increasingly all over the map. So we, yeah, we all used to live in and around London when we started. And then we've gradually moved to different places. So it, it means we do rely slightly more on the online stuff. Um, and we, we're able to le- meet slightly less frequently. Although what we've tried to do now is set, set up two groups and have one in the north of the country and one in the south. Um, so that we, because we want to grow it as well. So that's been about just trying to get, you know, we, we think this works. Um, mm-hmm. We think it's a good model and we want to share it with people and get other other people involved in doing it so that's sort of what what we've yeah we, we're in the process of developing that that's yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh chris fache mm. i don't know if you remember if you've heard of him he he um is a songwriter worship pastor and they started a a similar kind of a thing within their town of getting together to to create a, a, a christian worship writers network so to speak and they put out an ep called worship rises um but yeah, it's it's an approach. You know, one of the things we're we're deeply passionate about is the songs that need to be written that aren't being written. That, <laughs> we need to have we need to have more songwriters who are writing songs that that are expressing the the uh, the new song of the church in this day, as opposed to just the song that's always being sung. Or or even even not just a new song, but what songs aren't being sung? Like, is there, is there a hole? Is there a gap? Is there something that the church needs to be singing about that isn't there? Mm-hmm. And, and I love, I love what you're saying, Joel, and I love what you guys are doing. You know, I had a chance to, to listen to your, your new um, uh, Christmas worship album. And I, I mean, I love some of the stuff that is on that because it, it's so, um, it's so applicable to the church. Like it's, it's, I was telling David, I'm like, 
this is great. Like the, these are songs that I can sing during our Christmas season because mm. you know every Christmas, and we've talked about this on the <laughs> podcast. Like I, I, I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong, but man, every Christmas rolls around, and I'm just like, ah, it's the same. You know, it's the same Christmas carols, the same mm-hmm. songs. Like trying to find a new way of doing it. Michael W. Smith's Emmanuel. Yeah, like, how sure. How many times do we have to do that? Yeah, and and so I mean, I love that you guys are on this album in particular, this Christmas album. You're trying to write songs for the church, you know. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into that a little bit, yeah. if you don't mind. How long first did it take to write the album? Uh, so, well, the album is is really a collection of what we've written over the last seven, eight years. Wow. So I think from the first song, I think the earliest song was "What Kind of Throne," um, and then since then, you know, we wrote a couple of them this year. Most, and they just, you know, we we tended to write a couple of Christmas songs each year between us. And how does how have so you've they you've probably then tried them in in your churches and congregations? Yeah, are, are they received pretty well? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think so. I hope so. They're basically they they are for 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 resound worship. They're the songs that have been most well received and you know just the most downloaded out of all mm-hmm. our material. And I think that that's something we've definitely noticed. People go looking for new Christmas material, and I think probably right. struggle to find it sometimes. Or um, yeah, totally. And and so actually, that's you know we get a lot of traffic to the site during. Um, really from this point onwards, right up through to the end of December. Um, and yeah, so that, I mean, and that was a lot of what motivated us really to want to, to put this together was thinking actually, we've now got this collection of, of songs, which people seem to you really appreciate. We get a lot of good feedback about them. Um, and we just had this idea. We just thought if people can, we love the idea that somebody could sing a song at church and but then, take it home and put it on their CD player or, you know, whatever. And to people, for those who, who don't go to church with them would hear it and, and, and you'd be able to take the same song, but, but kind of recraft it into something that was really great to listen to having started with something that hopefully is really great to sing. That was kind of the, a lot of the motivation behind it. Yeah. So it's, it's like a, a takeaway of the experience they had yeah. in the church as opposed to, the opposite yeah it's sort of a, t- a takeaway but but it also a, a sort of an extension trying to just t- take it further than just the experience in in church um well, that makes sense i think just trying to trying to go a, a sort of a step beyond so that you've got something that we've written stuff we want it to communicate with the people in church but certainly you know for all of us who are writing we've got friends and family who are not christians and we'd love to take it to them and say Look, this is actually this is well recorded. This is well, you know, these are beautiful arrangements and so on. You might like this, mm-hmm. um, and so that you you make some kind of. It's always so important, is they making that connection between worship in church and worship in life and and so on. And I think sometimes there's a sort of a, a sound to worship albums, to worship music. It's a genre in itself, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. it's. A, um, it's a genre that exists within the church, but to those outside the church, it's a completely alien genre. But actually, we, in, even though we're using so many of the same tools and instruments and sounds and so on, and so I think we wanted to try and try and connect that genre musically with something which is a little bit less polished and a little bit less anthemic and upfront and in your face. And that just has uh, just try to sort of let the character of it sit 
a bit. Hmm. Well, and that and that was one of the things that struck me about the album the the fact that there there wasn't like a formula, you yeah. know, like like these songs were original you know and 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 that seems kind of silly to to say because i i understand they're all original but you know like we i remember we reviewed uh chris tomlin's Mm -hmm. album his burning lights album and you know full disclosure i'm a big chris tomlin fan i like the guy um he writes amazing worship songs but one of the things one of the critiques we had on the album was it followed the same formula it followed the same kind of pattern pattern yeah. that every other chris tomlin song is <laughs> and i listened to your album and it's all so different and unique and probably because you have so many different people writing all the songs you know yeah i i think that must be right and i think it's it's because it's i suppose it's also because it's a collection of songs rather than an album i mean it, you know it is an album but it's it's yeah. not we haven't got in together in the studio and said, right, we're going to try and write 12 songs, which is a, a, and a really good approach. You know, that's thankfully people do that because it's how we get the great albums, <laughs> yeah. but it's a different idea, which is saying each one of these is just a self-contained song. Mm-hmm. Can we now put them together, but how make some kind of thread, hold it all together. Well, we live in a, in a, a digital music world yeah. and you know, the, the relevance of an album is greatly gone. You know, not a whole lot of people are, I do. I personally I will, do too. will buy a whole album yeah. still instead Me. of just one song. But most people will just go buy the song they like yeah. uh, for 99 cents off of iTunes. Yeah. And, and then they'll listen to that over and over. So they don't hear it in the context of a song. And, you know, one of the things I've shared before, I'm a big Stephen Curtis Chapman fan, so I'm kind of old school. But um, he's, he's such great, uh, he's such a great artist and, when it comes to an album, there's a good flow from beginning to end on the album that makes me want to buy the whole album. So yeah. like his, uh, his album, Beauty, Beauty Will Rise, there's a song at the end of it called Spring Is Coming. And if you haven't listened to the whole album and heard the emotional, uh, the emotional turmoil that he went through after he lost his daughter and, and dealt with that throughout the course of the album, then Spring Is Coming is just kind of a fluffy, meaningless song. But when yeah. you hear it, and the context of that, it's it's a it's a great thing. But most people don't buy an album anymore, so we're just we're just kind of out there on the on the one song. Yeah, march and, and so agenda. I think I think so. In that context, you know, the the concept of a collection of songs is really appealing. Yeah. You know, because of the fact that th- there isn't so much that need to buy a CD. Um, I, I love the concept of the collection. And I and I'll admit, like the the first track uh, in the beginning, um, I mean, I love that song. And and first time I listened to it, I'm like, wow, like this this is a song that we can do for our Christmas season. And it's a song that we're plan like we're planning on doing. You know, like, like I'm like, this is great. I got to go on CCLI and get the, you know, get the the chord charts or whatever on there. And and uh, uh, no, so I'm excited. Like I'm excited about these songs, and I'm excited about um, it's particularly in the beginning. I think mm-hmm. it's just a great song. Great, thank you. Yeah, so uh, how much, how many of the tracks were you personally involved with then on the album? Um, well, I'm a nice, so I, I wrote four of them out of okay. the 12. I think there are, uh, off the top of my head, about five of us, did we, five or six writers on there? Um, yeah, so I, I wrote four of them. And, and then apart from that, in terms of actually putting the album together, I and I 
I, I did most of the donkey work from a resound worship point of view and in terms of liaising with our producers so that I think that was quite a key thing I was just thinking about the um that that thing of what make you know whether it's a cohesive whole or whether it's a collection of songs the thing that make that holds it together I guess are the producers so we worked with these two guys called Dan and Matt Weeks in the UK um and uh I mean, they were. Br- I mean, everyone always says this about their producers, don't they? <laughs> they were. They were brilliant. They were fantastic, and we were really. We said to them really from the outset. You know, these are established songs, so actually there isn't going to be a writing process here. But if you want to change the feel, and if you want to change the chords, and if you want to restructure and so on for the sake of the album, then then go for it, and we we want to trust you on it. So basically, mm-hmm. they then had the, the the that kind of creative vision for the whole thing. We talked about. Um, we talked a lot about, I don't know why, but we ended up wanting it to sound sort of Scandinavian. There's quite a lot of good, I don't know if it makes it over to the States, but there's some great music coming out of Scandinavia, out of Norway and Denmark and Finland at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't know if we get much of that music over here in the US. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't heard much of the Scandinavian stuff come over. Have you no. come across have you, a first aid kit? Have they made it? No, you need no, to look up so. first aid kits. I have okay. a first aid kit in my car, like go. in case uh, we get in an accident. But uh. they're, they're a bit like the Pierces, but a, a sort of Scandinavian European version. Um, got it. And anyway, we just kind of got some of the. And there's a kind of the thing about Scandinavia is Northern Europe. There are long nights in the winter. There's a sort of melancholy about the about it as a a place, and it sort of, and in some ways, it suits the suits the Christmas story that you have this long nights of melancholy set against the joy of the the, the, the humility of, of Jesus' birth set against the joy of what it kind of the cosmic consequences of it all so we talked right. a lot about that and we went to went to these guys um, and it, we discovered that Dan had actually lived in Scandinavia in Finland for about eight years so he he instantly said ah well in that case I know a great slide guitarist in um, in Finland and we can get it mastered here and so so we actually you know things went back and forth around Europe a bit which was which is great um, yeah and that was part of their their work in trying to find it find this particular sound and then uh, kind of put it pull it all together which is I would just wouldn't be able to do it we make some we do some recordings for for our website and we, we're aware they're you know doing as well as we can within certain constraints but we're aware they are they're demos that they are you know this is how you might sing it in your church um, and these guys, they just, their, their attention to detail, the things they could hear, the sounds they could imagine. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it'd be fun, David, uh, in the next episode, if we talked a little bit about the recording process, Joel, that you guys went through, yeah. um, you know, in terms of, uh, producers, you've already talked a, a little bit about, but, uh, instruments, um, you know, how you recorded, where you, you recorded. Um, maybe we could talk uh, next episode about that and then talk some more about the album in the next episode. All right. So we will, uh, we will pause a moment for station identification. Actually, we'll pause and break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can wrap it, wrap uh, things up. Wrap up episode 139 and bring you episode 140 also with Joel Payne. If you have some more time, Joel, to oblige us. That's no problem. Okay. So, uh, so thanks for listening to this episode of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. You can find us online at www.worshipministrycatalyst.com, facebook.com slash worshipministrycatalyst, twitter.com slash wmcatalyst, 
Send an email to David at WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com or Kevin at WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com. And you can uh, leave a voicemail at uh, area code or country, country code. code yeah, one. We got to do that this episode. Country code one, um, area code 360-818-4339. That's, uh, that's our information. Joel, would you share how to get in touch with you and Resound Worship? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you can find us on ResoundWorship.org. Uh, or you could email us info at resoundworship.org and that's where you'll find um, that's where you can download tracks and scores and the rest of it okay right well thanks for listening to episode 139 we'll catch you episode 140 have a great week bye bye